Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with Freedom Through Faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Glory to God. We're so glad that you can join us here today. We are blessed to be able to go through what we're going to study today. I am so excited. When I was putting my notes together last night, I tell you what, it was a hard time sleeping. I was so ready to preach what we're going to share today. It just blessed me yesterday. If you have your Bibles, turn over to Hebrews chapter chapter 9. That's where we're going to be at. But first, let's go to the Lord with a word of prayer. And then we'll get started in today's Bible study. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come today giving you honor, glory, and praise for all that you're going to do. All that you have done. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity to study your word, to share your word. Lord, we are blessed exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. Amen. Lord, reveal yourself to us through your Holy Spirit, through the written word, that we may bring glory to the Father and to your name. And it's in your name we pray. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Quickly, join me in our statement of faith. Just repeat these words after me. It's the foundation upon which we do everything. Amen. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead and buried. He descended into hell. And the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits now at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, from where he shall come soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe that the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Turn in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 9. We've been studying about the blood covenant. We're going to continue that today. And I realize a lot of the things that we're going to talk about and have talked about are hard to understand. And that's exactly the way the writer of Hebrews felt. That it was hard material. That it was impossible, and it still is, it's impossible for an unbeliever to understand what the writer of the book of Hebrews is talking about. And the reason I keep referring to as the writer of the book of Hebrews or him, it's not really known who the author of the book of Hebrews is. It's believed to be Paul, but there's no defining element. Some things in there kind of go along, if you if you do a study of the ancient writings, it kind of flows along in how he talked and the grammar and uses, but it's not firmly established that he was the writer of the book of Hebrews. So that's why I'm just going to say the writer of the book of Hebrews. Amen? Now, even for a new believer, 
it's still next to impossible to understand the book of Hebrews. But with God, all things are possible, and all things are possible to him who believes. Amen? So we can believe that we understand, and then just rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to give us his wisdom in understanding this subject. Glory to God. And like I said, we've been teaching on the blood covenant now for, well, this is the fourth week. And in my spirit, I feel like we've only just really scratched the surface of how much we really need to know. It seems like in the natural, we've dove down deep under the waters. But in reality, I, I feel that we just scratched the surface of everything that, that God really wants us to know and understand. Amen. How to function on this earth in the power and the authority that Jesus wants us to walk in on this earth. Amen. Someone told me a few weeks back that uh, my preaching, I seem to be an extremist in my teachings. And actually, I took it as a compliment, glory to God. Because uh, the answer is yes, of course, I am an extremist. But my commitment to God is to teach the Word of God, just as God wrote it. And I firmly believe that we should be doing the works that Jesus did when he was on this earth. As a matter of fact, we should be doing even greater works than Jesus did. Because he ascended to our Father in heaven. Amen? Because he said so. I mean, that's grounds enough for that right there. Just because Jesus said we should be doing greater works than he did, that's reason enough to go lay hands on somebody that's sick and heal them. To lay hands on somebody that's demon-possessed, cast that demon out. Amen. We should be seeing more healings, more salvations, more deliverances from demonic possession and all that. But in the church today, especially in Western churches, it's all about feelings. Pastors are more concerned about not upsetting someone's feelings than they are about what the Word says. They don't want to offend anyone because they may leave and it may affect the church budget or whatever. Folks, I cannot play with the Word of God. If the Word says it, then that has to be the standard. Amen? I may not hit the mark every time. I'm not perfect, but I try. And when I fail, I ask forgiveness just like you do and just like you should. And the Scripture says God is quick and just to forgive in the name of Jesus. But that does not mean we should not try. Amen? All right, anyway, I'm getting off topic. Let's get back. Hebrews chapter 9, glory to God. I've learned a wonderful thing. Now we're going to start in, in ch uh, chapter 9, verse 15. We're going to go through verse 28. To save time, I'm not going to read those entire scriptures like I normally do, where we would read the passages first. But I'm going to go through them in this study. But Hebrews 9, verses 15 to 28 is the subject matter for today. And write that down, and you can read the entire thing through at your own leisure. I'm just going to dive right in. Amen? For some people, they understand what we're going to talk about. For others, they don't. And it's frustrating to them. And that's exactly what I am trying to do, is create such frustration that it puts a great desire to learn into their spirits. For that which you don't understand, I hope and pray that you would say to yourself, I have to understand this. 
and that that would become the motivation for your own further Bible study. Amen? That's the point I'm trying to make. On the other hand, it's also true that as we go through the Word of God, it has so much in it, there are so many truths contained in each and every passage that just like water, it tends to find its own level in the mind of everyone who hears it. Glory to God. There are certain people of you know out there uh, who who are really clued in to the little nuances of the Greek and language and little things that just a few people listening may really understand. And then it goes on from there according to the time that you've known Christ and your knowledge of the Word of God. But it seems as though the Word of God, in in a wonderful way, can meet the level of every individual with certain truths, amen, that are applicable to them, to us, in our daily lives. If we just let it do its work, amen. Don't feel frustrated if you cannot comprehend it and all you have to do, well, you you don't have to be able to remember everything, amen. That's... Some people are, they pride themselves, and there's pride coming in there, on the ability to quote so many verses of scripture verbatim. But that's not the point. Amen. The point is to let the word minister to you. There are times when, when I've read certain passages hundreds of times. And then this one day, it will just jump off the pages at me. That's the Holy Spirit doing his work through the word. Amen. Sometimes I even listen to my own programs. Amen. And sometimes I think, man, those things, that's pretty good preaching. And sometimes I'm listening and I'm I'm thinking, man, that guy sounds good. He's hitting it mark after mark. And then I realize it was me preaching. Amen. Really? That's true. That is a true story. Because I get so in tune while I'm working, you know, on the radio station stuff and doing edits and voiceovers and all that, I have the, the station playing in the background. And sometimes I get so in tune to listening to the message that I don't realize who the messenger is. Amen. Because when the word is coming forth as inspired by the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter who the messenger is. The word is doing the work. Amen. It's working with your spirit. Glory to God. There are times when I hear something that I would say on a program and be like, where in the world did I get that from? Well, it wasn't from the world. It was from the Word. Amen? Uh, really, I, sometimes I don't remember what I did or how I got certain passages and interpret them like that. But it so ministers to the Spirit. And it is accomplishing. The word of God goes forth and does not return to him void. It accomplishes what he pleases. It prospers where he sends it. Amen. Hallelujah. So don't expect to remember it all. But we pray to God that you learn. That after you learn, you have a refresher course or has refreshed a new appetite to learn even more. Amen. That's my desire. So I trust that I'm not leaving you in the dust already, but allowing the Spirit of God to be your teacher and to teach you what it is that you can understand in your frame of reference wherever you're at right now. Amen. All right. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 through 28. Now, Hebrews does, in fact, teach us about the superiority of Jesus Christ. We covered that a little bit last time. 
the writer of the book of Hebrews is in writing to the Jewish community. Now that's who the book of Hebrews is written to, Jews. The writer's trying to show them that they can leave Judaism and they can abandon all of the sacrifices, the priesthood, all of those rituals that went along with the Old Covenant, and they can come to Christ. In order for them to do that, the writer has to prove to them that Jesus is superior to Judaism. That Jesus' covenant is better than the Old Covenant. That Jesus' priesthood is superior to the Levitical priesthood or Aaron's priesthood, which constituted the, the temple priesthood. And the writer has to prove to these Jews that Jesus' sacrifice was far superior to all the other sacrifices. Amen? Now, I know we covered some of this in depth last time. And I'm not going to go into all that. But due to the time constraints last time, I wasn't able to finish all my notes. So I, like the writer of Hebrews, I, I need to try and emphasize this to you as well. It is so vitally important that you can grasp the nuances of what we're going to study. So I also urge you, if, if you missed any of our prior teachings on the Blood Covenant uh, from the past couple weeks, go to our website at ftfm.org and, and download them for free and get caught up. Amen? Uh, that way, everything I'm saying right now will make sense. All right. The approach of the book of Hebrews, first of all, in the first few chapters, is to present the superiority of Christ as a person, then the superiority of Christ as a priest, then the superiority of Christ as the maker of the new covenant, and then the superiority of Christ as a sacrifice. And the old covenant, as we learned all along, was unable to allow access to God by man. And that's what everything is designed to do in the new covenant. Bring men to God. The Old Covenant was unable to do that. It only provided for a limited relationship between man and God. A relationship which was not permanent. It only existed after the sacrifice until the next sin. And then a sacrifice would have to be made all over again to reorient the relationship. And in some cases that sin could come just as soon as the person had left the temple giving their sacrifice. And it's kind of like uh, uh, how some Christians today are all, amen, yes, amen, and dancing around and raising their hands and praise and worship and nodding their heads in agreement and shouting amen and smiling really big and hugging everyone with those Christian hugs and just trying to love on one another and, and love your neighbor as yourself and all that. And then the service ends, they go out in the parking lot and get offended when someone cuts them off or won't let them cut in front of them to get out on the street. It's the same thing. And I'm sure some of the Jewish people went and offered their sacrifices, and then as they were leaving the temple and beginning to walk through Jerusalem to, to, to go and, and find their service after-service meal you know, somewhere, uh, some outdoor eatery or whatever, that they would step in something that was left behind by an animal, and then lose it. Amen. So it's the same thing back then as it is today in our parking lots. So that means their salvation at that point in time, when once they got mad at someone for that, their salvation would be in jeopardy until they went and offered another sacrifice. So you see what I'm talking about? But Jesus comes along and brings a better covenant 
that gives full access to God on an eternal basis. The old sacrifices, you remember, were not able to wipe away sin. They only covered it up, and temporarily at that. So the sacrifices had to be repeated all of the time. Jesus brought a perfect sacrifice that was only done one time, and it took care of an eternal redemption. Hallelujah. Covering and removing and blotting out all sin. The Old Testament priesthood was imperfect. They were willing, but they were not able. They desired to really mediate for the people in the fullest sense and bring them to God, but they could not ever accomplish that. Then Jesus comes along, and in the heart of the book of Hebrews, he brings, according to the writer, a better priesthood, a better sacrifice, a better covenant, one written in his own blood, a blood covenant. Amen? And that's what we've been studying. And you remember that at the beginning of chapter 4, or about the end of chapter 4, I guess. Uh, he began to talk about his better priesthood. And we went into all this last time. And then if you move on over to chapter 8, he begins to talk about his better covenant. And we looked at that. Now as we come to chapter 9, he's moving from the covenant to the better priesthood again. Why is he doing it all over again? Because he's tying everything together. He presents it. Point one, better priesthood. Point two, better covenant. Chapter nine, he's weaving them all back together again. So the net draws tighter. Amen? He's been talking about the covenant that's a better covenant. And now he's going to talk again about the better priesthood. So if we go down, Hebrews 9, look at verse 15. Just kind of pick up where we left off last time. This is just as an introduction. Excuse me a second. Alright, verse 15. For this cause, he is the mediator of the New Testament, or covenant, that by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. Now, let me just untangle that verse here. What he's saying is this. For this cause, and that goes back to what he had said before, because of the sacrificial death of Christ, or by virtue of his death, Okay, he's become the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. He has become, by his death, the mediator of the new covenant. That's the only way he could provide for men what he wanted to provide them. The word mediator in Greek is mesates, and it has to do with a go-between. Jesus, by the act of his death, became a go-between between God and God's man. Now, remember that God made certain standards, which also said that the soul that sins, it shall die. And the only way that somebody could come to God was if they paid for their sin. When Jesus died, he paid for sin. He was paying for a debt which he did not owe. It'd be like, this is a bad example, but you'll understand it. It'd be like someone paying an electric bill for someone or paying off somebody's house just out of love. It was not their debt to pay, but they did it anyway out of love. They had been responsible with their finances, and that put them into a position. Now, they didn't owe the debt, but 
They wanted to pay the debt for someone else. That's kind of a description of what Jesus did for us. He opened the way for us to God. Amen. Jesus' death was payment for our sin. And he became a bridge to God. His death then was the primary act of mediation that opened up the way for us to have access to God. Jesus himself said, I am the way. Amen. The Old Testament priest could not become a go-between in the fullest sense. There was always a veil there in the temple in front of the Holy of Holies. He could not mediate fully. Jesus became the perfect mediator, bringing men to God. That veil was ripped from top to bottom, symbolizing from heaven, God said, there's no longer a separation between us. Amen. Glory to God. And he did it by his death. He removed the barrier of sin. The wages of sin is death. That was the barrier. Sin put up a barrier of death. Christ died, thus removing the barrier and giving full access to God. And sin, the wages of sin is death. Since Jesus never committed sin, it would have been impossible for him to ever die. Did you ever think of it that way? That's why he said, I lay down my life. He died voluntarily, not by any act of sin, which would have given the devil the legal right to kill him. He allowed himself to be killed, a sacrifice. And he was still in control, still in control of his life, even after his death. Amen. I don't have time to get into that today, but we will some other time. Amen. Glory to God. Now, I want you to notice something. This is very important. It says that in his death as a mediator of a new covenant, he brought about redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, the first testament. What's the first testament or what's the first covenant? The Old Testament. Do you know that when Jesus died, he redeemed those that were under the first covenant? That's what it says here. Sometimes people will ask a question like, uh, how were people in the Old Testament saved? Because Jesus hadn't come to save them yet. They were saved by the shed blood of Christ. They were saved by the death of Christ, the death of the Messiah, the death of God's Son on their behalf. Let's read it again. For this cause, amen, he's the mediator of a new covenant. What cause? That by means of death, for the redemption of the transgressions that were made under the first testament, they who are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. So by his death, then, he brought redemption to everybody that was under the old covenant. Amen. The Messiah became the mediator. Not only in order that he might pay the penalty of sinners who lived since the cross, that's us, but he, that he might pay the penalty of sinners who lived before the cross. When Jesus died, he gathered up all the sinners from the very beginning of time with Adam and Eve to the end time before everything is over with. He paid it all in one sacrifice. That's the point the writer of Hebrews is trying to make here. Isn't that good? Amen. Well, Brother Bob, how does that work? I don't understand. All right, all right. 
First, this points obviously in reference to Israel. The, again, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews is writing to the Jews, to Israel. He must therefore give them some indication of what the sacrifice of Christ means to them. So he simply says, it is the sacrifice of Christ. Not only that redeems from now on, but that goes all the way back and covers redemption for everybody who's ever lived and who has believed throughout time. And in order to give you another look at this, turn over to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 25. Talking about Jesus here in verse 24. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now verse 25. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation. In Greek, that's helisterion, which means a covering or a mercy seat or one who provides satisfaction. Now listen to that definition. Through faith in his blood. In other words, God is satisfied when a man puts his faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Now watch it this way. Whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. Here's the purpose. In order to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. That's a lot. Amen. And I know some of you are probably saying, Brother Bob, I don't understand that saying. I don't understand what you mean. Well... I don't blame you. It's very difficult to understand when you just read it. That's, that's what I'm saying. Some people, when they read their Bible, they just go through a habitual read. They'll skim right over things they don't understand instead of digging into them to find out what they mean. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.